Well, hey, good to see you. My name is Nate, and I'm the lead pastor at Restoration Church. And we are in the last week of our series, Kingdom Builders, but the very beginning of something great that God is doing in our church. This past week, earlier uh, last week, I, um, I was able, I had the opportunity to have a brief breakfast with one of the, uh, one of the U.S.'s billionaires. And I'm not exaggerating, I'm not making this up. I mean, I just happen to be the same part of an organization that they're a part of. And uh, they give away millions of dollars every year. Uh, they are Christians, they tithe to their church, and they give way beyond anything. I mean, doing work all over the world. I, I, after I had the breakfast with them, I just began to wonder, I wonder how much they do give. And uh, at just about a minimum of what they give every year is uh, over $300 million that this one couple is giving. It's not really like beyond like our comprehension and to, it's just so, so staggering for us to even consider that and wonder how's that possible. Um, and they seem impossible to us, but they're not impossible to God. And really they're staggering to us, but it's nothing, it's nothing to God. He's just, what he wants from those people, what he wants from us is that we would just do what he's called us to do, that we would just be obedient to what he tells us to be obedient to, that we would just steward well that which he's given us. And that couple, they just do what God, what Jesus asked of them. And, uh, you know, what they are doing as as mind-blowing and and faith-inspiring as that is for us, it's not more important than what we are doing. They are just doing the assignment that God's given them in building the kingdom of God around the world. And we as a church and we as individuals of the church, we are just going to do what God asked us to do in building his kingdom around the world. And God doesn't look at our part and he's not disappointed with us if we're obedient and we're doing what he's called us to do. And he doesn't look at what we're doing as any less than even the high-capacity um, uh, part that they're doing. We look at ourselves, and we look at what they're doing, and we can be amazed. And really, we should be amazed that Jesus is using them at such a high capacity, but we don't want to diminish at all or excuse ourselves from what Jesus wants to do with us. So the number, in the, so if you're here for the first time today, um, we're in a series called Kingdom Builders, and the idea behind the series for us is that we don't want to just be people who just show up to church and then go home after. And then we don't want to just be people who show up at church for ourselves, what am I going to get out of it, and then go home after. We want to be people who are living out what Jesus has told his people to live out. Jesus, in his last moments before he returned to heaven, said to his disciples, to his followers, go and make disciples, teach people about me, and teach them how to follow me, and make disciples in the whole world. And those disciples at that time lived in Jerusalem, and they had no choice at that point, to just stay in Jerusalem and bunker down and live out the rest of their lives. They'd been given an assignment by Jesus to go into the entire world. And that same assignment, that same call is for every single one of us who have made the decision to follow Jesus. 
So in this series, Kingdom Builders, where our church has been around for 72 years, but now for the first time, Jesus has shown us the next part in this process for his church, for Restoration Church. And we've had a lot of years of great ministry, but now it's time where we do things in a larger capacity than we ever have before. And that language that we're using to understand this and to talk about this is kingdom builders. We will be a church that will build the kingdom of God here where we live, but also all around the world. So last week we talked about this, the number that we're praying about, the number that we're dreaming about, is that uh, us as our church on our, our three locations, that next, by the end of 2019, we'll have given $50,000 above our tithe toward kingdom builders, toward these three areas, uh, global mission, local church expansion, and raising up future Christian leaders. And we believe that he has called each of us to be a part in doing this. And we'll just do the part that he's given us and the part that he's called us to, and we'll just obediently kind of walk that through. And as we do that, um, we're going to be kingdom builders. We're going to make a difference in this world. And we are believing, and what I want you to do is to believe that Jesus can use you to build his kingdom. He can use every single one of us that he can use Restoration Church. He can use teenagers. He can use kids. He can use the oldest among us. He can use every single one of us to build his kingdom around the world. So in this series, in the first week, it, you know, um, we've been in the book of Ezra this entire series, and we're going to be there again today, so you can begin opening your Bibles and getting a step ahead and getting ready. In this series, we've been looking through the different ways and the different things that happened. So just a brief background for those of you who are new here today. Uh, there was a king named Nebuchadnezzar. He came in and wiped out Jerusalem, destroyed it, leveled it, exiled everybody, uh, and took a whole bunch of people uh, to Babylon where he was trying to um, get them to worship him and really eradicate the people of God and the worship of God. And Jeremiah gave a prophecy, and uh, about 70 years later, that prophecy came true as the Babylonian Empire was destroyed by the Persian Empire. And the new king of the Persian Empire, who now had control of Babylon, said, I feel, said to the people of God, I feel your God telling me to send you back to Jerusalem. And you need to go back, and I'm going to pay for it, but you need to go back and you need to rebuild your temple, rebuild your city, rebuild your community, and you need to worship your God again. And so here was this guy who wasn't a follower of God and, wasn't, and had his own empire, but he was funding now the, the building of God's kingdom. And we talked about God had given his people a promise, I will bring you home again. And now the king had given them permission to, to go after that promise. And it was their job now to pursue the promise. There was about one million Jewish people in Babylon at this time, but only 49,000 people out of that one million took advantage of that and pursued the promise and took the 900-mile, four-month journey back 
to Jerusalem to start rebuilding the temple and to start rebuilding the kingdom. So God has given us a promise, and we've got to pursue it. And what we hope is that every single one of us will be a part of it. That we won't just be comfortable with where we've always lived and what we've always had, but we'll be more concerned with people who don't have Jesus and don't know Jesus and will live our lives to make his name known. Last week, we looked at really the entire book of Ezra because there's three different projects that, were, that happened over a 92-year span and three different times where people left Babylon and went to Jerusalem. And we looked at, all right, there's a promise that God's called us to pursue, but there's going to be a cost to it. And what we talked about last week is God provides for his promise. And he provided in supernatural ways. He provided in abundant ways. But they were able to accomplish and afford everything that God had called them to do. Today, as we're in Ezra chapter 8 today, what we want to look at is, if we're looking at Ezra and how God used Ezra, what we want to do is look at our lives and our hearts. And hopefully in this series you begin to dream and think, God, could I do something in this? God, could you use me to be a kingdom builder? And then you just begin to think, God, what will it take for you to use me? What will it take for you to trust me more? What will it take, you know, what are you looking for that I can be a part of this and you can use me to make an impact around the whole world? That's what we're going to be looking at. So Ezra chapter 8. Um, so the, this is the second journey of people leaving Babylon and, uh, and going to Jerusalem. This is probably... Uh, 50 or 60 years after the first story that we talked about in the first week. So Zerubbabel went, and over 20 years, he rebuilt the temple. And now Ezra is coming onto the scene, and King Artaxerxes of the Persian Empire tells Ezra and commissions him, I want you to go back, and I'm, I'm going to, uh, you've asked for the resources, I'm going to provide those resources, and I want you to go back, and I want you to, just reinstitute the worship of your God. You've got, you've got the place to worship him, but, but now go and, and bring back the scriptures and the Torah. Go back and bring back the practices and, and uh, that people will live the way uh, that, they, that they believe or that they used to believe. So Ezra takes that assignment upon himself and God uses him in an amazing way. So there's some things that happened first. He went to Artaxerxes and said, and we talked about this last week. He requested of his king, you know, what you're asking me to do has a significant cost to it. Will you provide for it? King Artaxerxes does and gives him really a fortune to go and to rebuild. And as they're preparing now to go, they've got about 5,000 people or um, two to 5,000 people who are going to be joining him on this next journey. They're about to start their own um, uh, four-month, 900-mile journey back to Jerusalem with a lot of material goods with them. And as Ezra's going down the list and figuring out who's coming with me, he realizes that there's no one from the, from, there's no Levite coming on the trip with him. And the Levites were uh, one of the tribes of the people of Gom. And they were the ones that, that God instructed would lead all of the worship was inside the temple. 
So here is Ezra. I'm going to go back and, and, re, and reteach the principles and the practices of following God, but I don't have the people of the tribe to do it. So he then makes another request to the leader of the Levites. Will you send some priest to come with us in Jerusalem to be and lead us in, and to lead the temple? So they didn't send one or two. They sent 261 um, uh, qualified individuals to go and to move and to be a part of this. So God was, God was using him. He was using him in a, in a great way. And in the time that Ezra lived, from the time he left Babylon and then he later worked with Nehemiah and, they, and with everything they did, he was used by God. So he restored worship. He renewed the celebration of festivals that were so, so important in their, uh, in their worship cycle. He supported the rededication of the temple. He supported Nehemiah with the rebuilding of the Jerusalem wall. He reintroduced the Torah, and the Torah is the Jewish word for the first five books of the Bible. And then he shaped the community in accordance with the Torah, in accordance to the scriptures. So he was used by God as one guy who had just so impacted this, that region and so impacted the kingdom of God. So we look at Ezra's life, we want to look and say, all right, why was this one guy selected by God? Why did God use him in such a high capacity? And then what we're trying to do is evaluate our own life and grow in our own life to say, God, can you use me to make a difference? God, can you use me to be a kingdom builder? So Ezra chapter 8, we're going to look through a couple different verses and work through this. So the first verse is in uh, verse number 21. So um, this is Ezra writing about what had happened. He said, and so there by the Ahava Canal, I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. We prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children, and our goods as we traveled. Why was Ezra used by God? The first thing that we see here is that uh, he was used by God because he had humility. He had humility. He, humble, he, he called everybody to, uh, to pray and humble themselves before God. And there's a couple of ways this shows up in his life and this shows up in our life. Because it can be a hard thing to figure out, am I humble? You know, uh, and it can be a hard thing to really try to understand about ourselves uh, but two things that can maybe help you understand this. First is that you're not taking credit for yourself. I mean, Ezra was a great leader. He had, uh, he had been appointed by the king. He was in charge. Uh, he had 5,000 people who had volunteered to follow him and, and saw him as the leader. And even with all that, he didn't... He didn't um, begin to say, like, man, I can't believe everything that I've accomplished. Man, wait till you see my next move. Hey, he, he said, hey, guys, this isn't about me, and, this isn't, and there's no capacity in me to make this happen. We need to pray before God that he will make it happen. And it's an understanding of who you are and what position you have and, uh, and who's called you to do it. We want to be kingdom builders, but we can sometimes be... Uh, be worried about receiving credit for it. And so we think, man, 
I could, maybe I could be a kingdom builder and I'll make such an impact that they're going to put my name on a plaque and put it on a wall somewhere and say, this person was the best kingdom builder in the church. And maybe we're serving and volunteering and we're hoping that one day we'll name a room or a wing or something after you. And we're worried about our name being recognized and our gift being recognized and our contribution being recognized. But if we're kingdom builders, kingdom of God builders, then our concern is not about our recognition and not concerned about making sure someone says thank you to us and not making sure that we're noticed, but it's making sure that his name is known, the name of Jesus is known, and that what we do and how we give and how we serve points people toward Jesus, that his name would be be made famous, that his name would be the one that people recognize, that his name would be the one people give the glory to, that his name would be the one that gets all the credit. Now, humility is not this false humility where you're like, you just do a great song performance and then you point to the sky. Uh, but, but just saying and recognizing, this is not about me. I'm not doing this for any credit in myself. I'm doing this so people can get to know Jesus. Now, the second part of humility is not doing it yourself. Ezra, again, he's a great leader. And he could have just given a speech and said, all right, let's go. And then they start this four-month journey. But he said, there's nothing in me that can do this. We need God to be with us. We need God to protect us. We need God to provide for us. We cannot do this without God. And as you're looking at how you can be a kingdom builder and you're looking at what, how God can use you, you've got to realize you can't do it yourself. Nor should you do it yourself. You're looking at giving and you're trying to figure out how you're going to give and how you're going to participate and how you're going to be a kingdom builder. And you think, well, I guess I can't do it. There's no way for me to do this. Listen, you need to humble yourself and pray and say, God, here's the dream in my heart. Here's what I'd like to do. I can't do it without you. But could you be a part of this? Could you lead me in this? Could you use me in this? And you're relying on him to use you. You're not relying on what you have and on what you can do and somehow thinking that you're going to be the one who changes the world. It's him. The second thing we see, uh, part of verse number 21 and verse number 22, Ezra again saying, we prayed he would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children, and our goods as we traveled. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king, our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him. But his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. Ezra was used by God because he had humility. The second reason he was used by God is because he trusted God. He had this four-month journey with millions and billions of, uh, of dollars that were on his journey. And he had this, he was faced with this choice at this point. I told the king that my God will protect us. And now am I going to ask the king to protect us? No, I'm going to have to trust you, God, with this. I'm going to have to trust you, God, with everything. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but I'm going to trust in the name of God. And we are faced with that same choice today. Because he's going to call you to a long journey. He's going to call you to accomplish something. He's going to call you to do something. And if you don't trust in him, you're going to bail out. 
uh, maybe a month into the journey, maybe two months into the journey, maybe two days into the journey, you're going to say, this is too difficult. I don't see how we could do this. This is impossible. And you just give up and go home. If you don't trust God, if you can't trust God, you won't be used by him. Because he's always going to call you to places that, uh, that challenge you, that stretch you, and where you have to have faith. Whether that's provision, whether that's protection, um, uh, uh, you know, in, in any area. When he calls you to do something, you have to trust him if you're ever going to get to the place he's called you to get to. And we have to trust him that he's going to provide. We have to trust him that he's going to protect. We have to trust him that he's going to show up. We have to trust him that somehow if we have to endure hardship, if we endure struggle, when it doesn't go as we'd planned, we have to trust him that it will all be worth it at the end. And that is sometimes the hardest part because we may not see that it's worth it in our lifetime, and it may not seem uh, to our friends that it was ever worth it to us. But God, could you somehow do and do something with what we're doing that will impact another person's life? Not that it will make it better for my own life, but that you'll actually do something of eternal value in another person's life, in another part of the world, that will make me giving up a latte worth it, that will make me living differently worth it, that will make my prayers worth it. It is, it is some way, God, you have to trust him through that. Third thing is in Ezra 26. I'm going to read verse number 26, and then I'm going to read number th verse number 34. Ezra talking, so he's been given this small for fortune by King Artaxerxes, and, he, and he's taking inventory of it. So he says, I weighed the treasure as I gave it to them, the Levites, and found the totals to be as follows. 24 tons of silver, 750 pounds of silver articles, seven, or excuse me, 7,050 pounds of silver articles, 7,050 pounds of gold, 20 gold bowls, each in value to 1,000 gold coins, two fine articles of polished bronze as precious as silver. So this is before they start this four-month journey. When they get to Jerusalem four months and three days later, um, it says in verse number 34, they, they took inventory again. It says, everything was accounted for by number and weight, and the total weight was officially recorded. Ezra was used by God because he had integrity. He realized that what he, was been, what he had been given was given to him by the king for the purposes of God. And so he wanted to account for every penny that it was going to be used for what God intended it to be used for. That things wouldn't be stolen, that people wouldn't be greedy and try to uh, acquire things for themselves, but that what the king intended to be used for the kingdom of God would be used for the kingdom of God. That what had been given toward the kingdom of God would be back, given back to the kingdom of God. Certainly, there's implications for us uh, and, and for our life. And so there's a practical a a application of our finances that God has given you everything that's yours. You're a manager of it, and he's called you to steward it and to use it to build the kingdom of God. So every single one of us is going to take inventory of our life and where our pennies are going. And has God given us something to build his kingdom, but instead we've used it 
for ourselves. And we have to look at that and, and, and evaluate that and, and uh, take an assessment of that. But integrity says, God, what you've given me for your kingdom, I'm going to use for your kingdom and not for my own. But it goes beyond finances because you've been given a spiritual gift. And are you, and he's given you a spiritual gift and are you using that spiritual gift for building his kingdom? It's a, a, a gift of leadership or a gift of teaching or a gift of hospitality. Are you using that to build the kingdom of God? And a person of integrity uses their gifts for the kingdom of God. I didn't say this in our other services, but I'll say it, I'll say it here. Um, when, I was a, when I was a teenager growing up, there's a lot of conversation about Christian music and secular music. And if you've never been a part of church, it just sounds bizarre. But, um, uh, and what would happen is if you were a Christian and you played secular music, then, then one community would ostracize you. But if you were a Christian playing Christian music, then the other part of society would ostracize you. And, and there was no way during the 1990s, or 1980s and 1990s, that there could be any divide. And me and my, one of my brothers used to always fight about this and argue about this, and I eventually came this, to this conclusion. If you're a Christian, everything you do is for the glory of God. And if you're a Christian and you're, and you're writing music and you're assigned to a label that's not Christian, that's fine as long as you're using your gifts for the glory of God. The same way that a carpenter can work for any company and use his gifts for the glory of God. And a neurosurgeon can use his gifts for the glory of God. And a pastor can use his gifts for the glory of God. And a chef can use his or her gifts for the glory of God. And a business owner can use his or her gifts for the glory of God. It makes no difference um, in music or in entertainment. If you've been given a gift by God, you use it for the glory of God and to build his kingdom. In any way possible, and in any opportunity it gives you. So are you doing that? Are you using what's been given to build his kingdom for his kingdom? And the fourth thing here that we see, so first Ezra was used by God because he had humility. He was used by God because he trusted God. He was used by God because he had integrity. And the fourth thing is, he was used by God because he worshiped God. In chapter 7, at the very end of chapter 7, we read Ezra giving worship and praise for God for all the ways that God had provided and all the ways God was setting things up to go and send him to Jerusalem. And what we see in this entire process from the first journey that Zerubbabel took and he led 49,000 people to the second journey that Ezra took and then the third journey that Nehemiah took is that this entire thing was about worship. It wasn't about building a temple. It wasn't about building a wall. It was about worshiping God. And for us, as we're saying, hey, I want to be a kingdom builder, for us, Everything is about the worship of God. It's not about a church building. It's not about a church name. It's not about you getting something from the service. It's about us being people who believe in Jesus, who follow Jesus, and who want to help other people to know about him and to follow him as well. Everything is about worship. And in our lives, everything that we do is about worship, and everything that we do can and should be uh, worshipful toward him. Whether you're playing golf, uh, you know, on the weekend, that can be 
and should be worshipful toward him because God has called you to have fun and to have joy. Um, whether you're uh, being repentant to your spouse for something that you've done wrong, that can be worshipful and should be worshipful toward God. Whether it's building your business, that can be worshiping God. Whether it's singing a song, that can be worshiping God. Whether it's baking um, uh, stuff for your pastor, that can be worshiping God. There are great things and everything that we do as people who uh, are about him, in him we live and move and have our being, our entire existence should be and can be uh, worshiping him. And this is what kingdom builders is. It's about worship. That Jesus' name will be lifted high, that his name would be exalted, that his name would be fam made famous, that people would have the opportunity to hear about how great he is, how forgiving he is, how loving he is, how powerful he is, and they would have the opportunity to know him and follow him as well. The last question here to ask in this is why, why would Jesus want to use us? Why would Jesus use you? That's a, I think that's an important question to ask because if you can understand that, it really begins to set the stage for everything else. Because we can think it's about a temple and, and never worship him, which is what Ezra found out when he showed up. He, he showed up in Jerusalem. They, the temple was built, but, they, but the people weren't worshiping God. It's not about these external things. What is it? Why is it that Jesus wants us to be kingdom builders? Why he wants us to tell people about him? We see this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number, number 9. It says, the Lord is, and then bunching up the last part of that verse, it says, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord is not willing that any people would have to die without knowing him, but all would have the opportunity to follow him. The Lord is not willing that any should go to hell, but all would have the opportunity of heaven. The Lord is not willing that anybody would be uh, cast away from him, but everybody would have the opportunity to be accepted by him. The Lord is not willing that any should perish. And so for us as kingdom builders, for us as Restoration Church, that is why, and that is the heart behind why, and that is why our prayer is, God, can you use me? Jesus, can you use me? You've been so good to me. Use me in some way that I can help other people to know how great you are as well. The ushers are coming forward, and um, we want to give you something. It's a Kingdom Builders card, and we don't, I, you don't have to do anything with this right now. Um, you'll see this again in January, and at that point, I'll be telling you, hey, let's do something with this now. But we want to put it in your hand now so that you could have the opportunity. If you wanted to do something with this today, you could because people have been asking. But more so, that you could keep that before yourself. That you just begin to pray, God, can you use me? God, can you use me? Is there some way that you can use me? And, and, and that, you know, that you'll be a person of humility, of trust, of integrity, of worship. And we're not perfect. I'm not perfect in every area of those, or in any of the area of those, but that will just be before him and say, God, keep changing me, keep trusting me, keep working in me, that you can use me more, that I can uh, uh, help more people to know you. And so in January, we'll say that you'll make a commitment, that you just be obedient to the part God's called you to be obedient, and you will be a kingdom builder. That you'll give beyond your ties toward, toward allowing people 
to hear about Jesus all around the world. So as we, as I come to the end of the message, I want to tell you what our Kingdom Builders projects are going to be for 2019. So that you'll know, here's what we're praying about, here's what our Kingdom Builders giving is going to be going toward. And hopefully by the end of 2019, we'll be able to fund all of these projects and, uh, and then we'll have new projects for, for 2020. But the first one, our teenagers are, have their own Kingdom Builders project, and that is giving towards Speed the Light. And um, next year, so they're hearing it here for the first time, but the teenagers' Speed the Light project is going to be uh, going toward um, buying one of these semi-truck and trailers for Convoy of Hope, and they respond toward dis to disasters all over the world. So they're going to be by themselves raising $5,000 toward Speed the Light. And what I want our church to do and the adults of our church to do is to match their giving up to $5,000. So if they raise $5,000, we'll give them an additional $5,000 from our Kingdom Builders giving that they will go forward and be able to give a gift of $10,000 toward and, and they'll get the credit for it. Hey, we've given $10,000 to Speed the Light. We uh, want to match them in that. This year, they're, they're on pace already in 2018 to give 5,000, which we're not matching, but in 2019, it's our goal to match it. And to, and to say, hey, we come behind what you're doing. We come behind your giving, your sacrifice. Amazing. Second thing that we want to do, our kids uh, and all of our locations, their Kingdom Builders project is giving toward BGMC. If you've been a part of Assemblies of God Church before, You've probably seen little kids running around with little yellow barrels. Those are called buddy barrels, and I guess that's buddy there. Um, we haven't done this in a little while, but we're going to be doing it again next year. And so your kids will be kingdom builders giving toward BGMC. And we want to match our kids giving up to $4,000. They would say, hey, you've given this much. Man, we want to double what you've done and, uh, and to be behind them and supporting them. Uh, and in, in what they're in what they're doing, the third thing we want to do is raising up future Christian leaders. So we want to scholarship for high school seniors, our uh, partial scholarship toward going on a mission trip that's happening in 2019. Teenagers from Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine are taking a mission trip to Cape Cod. That date is actually wrong. I put the wrong slide on it. It's over Fourth of July weekend. They're going to be so many people on the Cape that weekend, and our teenagers are going to be on a trip um, helping, working with churches, and telling people about Jesus. Uh, you think the sun burns bad. Let me tell you about eternity. And uh, so we want to provide scholarships to them in that, believing that when we send a teenager on a mission trip and a high school senior teenager on a mission trip, it could change their entire focus for the rest of their life, that some will be called to be missionaries, some will be called in the ministry, and if nothing else, their hearts will be changed forever, and they will live toward making the name of Jesus known around the world. And the fourth thing is this, and this is a uh, bigger project, uh, we want to start a fourth location being an online location for Restoration Church. And um, that we'll be able to have a full service online, uh, that people are interacting with each other, praying for each other. And you know this, you have a lot of friends who, um, who they have a desire to show up at church, but they're so anxious and so afraid to actually show up. 
and this will allow you to invite them to church, but they can attend from their home and begin to hear and participate and allow God to move in their life. And then, and then uh, they'll, they'll be a part of our church, and then eventually the fear will be broken down, and they'll come and, and be here in person. But that we, God will use that. Churches do this all over the world, but now we want to, um, we want to begin doing that as well and impacting your friends and family through that avenue. Um, so about $30,000 for equipment um, because uh, it'll be the full service. So it'll be a whole um, media room um, that we'll have to do to, uh, to take care of and function that service. And, you know, one brief testimony has already happened. Pastor Jack, who's a Londonderry pastor in, uh, in Londonderry, uh, he's a location pastor in Londonderry, he was posting stuff about the Anthem, Anthem series. He's from Rhode Island. One of his friends from Rhode Island uh, sent him a message. Hey, I've been watching your, your pastor's messages. Tell me more about Jesus. And he was being able to, to work in their life. So uh, he's already working in that way, helping us reach people who, who don't attend their church and don't, aren't near location but are far from God. And we want to... Um, we, that, and that's, so those are our four Kingdom Builders projects. So, we, uh, so we're moving forward in this. And we say, God, what can you do in me? And two quick stories of something that's happening in our church that, ha- that were told to me this week that I want to share with you. After service last week, someone came and caught me in the lobby. And they said, uh, Pastor Nate, will you pray for me? I am going to quit smoking. And so I'm like, oh, that's great, quit smoking. And then they said, so I can give to kingdom builders. And I thought that was so amazing because here's someone who says, I can't give. I don't know how I'm going to give. And they said, wait a minute, if I quit smoking, I can begin to give. So I prayed for her right there in the lobby. And I said, just keep me updated. So uh, they were telling me... during the week, hey, uh, you know, uh, day two, day three, and uh, I hadn't heard from them in a couple days. I was nervous, so this morning I sent a message, hey, what's up, give me an update, and they said, day seven, smoke-free, and uh, uh, absolutely amazing, and so today I said, how long did you smoke, and she said, over 50 years. She said, today I have my first check to Kingdom Builders. That is a $300 million gift. That is a big deal in the kingdom of God. Second thing happened this week on Tuesday night, I was here at the building doing some premarital counseling. We had so many weddings going on at our church right now. It's awesome and and, uh, exciting. But uh, so I was here and so when I was, appointment was done and I was going to leave, a parent caught me. They were coming to pick up their teenager from U-turn. And I said, hey, let me tell you about my, about my, my, my kid they came up to me um, after your message last Sunday. They said, um, you know what? I think I can give $20 to Kingdom Builders. And the parent was like, oh, that's so great. And they said, um, if I give $20 every week, then I can give, give $1,000 next year. And I can, I can give one fiftieth of the goal in uh, in the church, and we only need 49 other people to give like I'm giving, and we can do it. 
and the parent was just blown away by their faith. And we should all be blown away by their faith. That is a $300 million gift right there from a teenager who's caught it, who says, God, you can use me and my unemployed status to make a difference in the world. That is a $300 million gift. And we just say, hey, God, what is it? How can you use me? In a simple, simple prayer, Jesus, use me. Will you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. And then the band is going to lead us in a, a song as we close. Jesus, I pray right now for every single one of us. There are people in this room here today who haven't had the chance to know you and have their lives changed by you. And I pray right now they'd open their hearts up to you. That they'd say, God, if you're real, change me. God, if you're real, forgive me. God, if you're real, I give my life to you. And you would change their life right now in Jesus' name. For those of us who've, who've been changed by you and forgiven by you and have our, our lives transformed by you, I pray you transform our heart right now that we would just move from being churchgoers to being kingdom builders. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.